Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 78 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, and with me, as he always is, our other host, Liam. Liam, we have an exciting double feature today, a bonus-sized, extra-large episode today, covering two different episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Yes, and, you know, we've done a few double features, and... Oftentimes, of course, unless we somehow end up with the exact same score, which I don't think we ever had for a double feature, we're always going to have one episode that we like a little bit more than the other. That's just how it works when you review two episodes for one show. But my goodness, Cal, I do not think we will ever have a double feature as long as we do this show where there is a disparity between how much I did not like one episode and how much I liked the other one. It's amazing. Alright, so the first episode that we'll tackle in this double feature is, of course, going to be Eternal Youth. Uh, That episode debuted back on September 23rd, 1992, putting us at about 27 years ago. And uh, Liam, this episode, boy, man, there's a lot to talk about (laughs) with this episode. Uh, Why don't we start off with the plot or, yeah, but before we do, uh, I'm sure you have the IMDb synopsis roaring and ready to go. Yes, I do. And this is the synopsis for Eternal Youth, written by Beth Bornstein, directed by Kevin Altieri. And that synopsis reads as such. A health resort reputed to be able to restore one's youth has a horrific price that Batman must cancel. Even the synopsis for this episode sucks. That was terrible. Whole thing sucked. (laughs) Who wrote that? Okay. All right. Might as well just jump right into it. This is a bad, bad episode. We remarked as we were watching it that it feels a lot like a lost Adam West 66 Batman episode. The plot of this episode is so convoluted and just... Oh, my goodness. Okay, so... Bruce Wayne receives a tape in the mail from a purported spa. I guess even before that, though, the opening scene is someone running through a forest begging someone not to hurt them. And I guess it's supposed to be shrouded in somewhat mystery. They don't do a very good job of hiding who it's supposed to be, being as how you see the the outline, her red hair, her green boots. You basically see everything except she Poison speaks, Ivy's face. Yeah, like, you see everything except her face. And she sprays this woman with gas and she just kind of freezes. You then flash forward to Bruce Wayne receiving a tape in the mail from a spa inviting him. And this is after he just got off the phone yelling at an executive about making a deal that would destroy an Amazon rainforest. 
So Bruce doesn't go to the spa because he's too busy. Instead, it's Alfred and whoever the hell this person <laughs> Maggie is. We So she just knocks on the door and Alfred's like, oh, hello, Maggie. And Bruce is like, hey, Maggie. And what? I've never seen Maggie before. She's never appeared and never appears after this. Thank God. Who in the world is Maggie? Apparently it's like Alfred's lady friend. But again, we've never met her. We've never heard of her. So she just shows up. They go to the spa together. They get uh, infused with uh, this chemical that Poison Ivy and her henchwomen are putting in all of the food and water. Her henchwomen, by the by the way, are named what? Violet and Lily, which is another very Adam Westian uh, thing to have the the pun names for the the henchwomen. Okay, but uh, yeah, so they basically, I guess, are somewhat hypnotized into going back to the spa, in which point they are turned into trees. That's when the big reveal comes. Meanwhile, Batman like does some experiments with the stuff that. Uh, that Alfred brought home, and he also did some investigating, because I guess there's been reports of all these rich people disappearing, so he finds another Eternal Youth Spa tape at at someone else's home. Well, we find out that the person in the opening scene was an heiress to a mining company, and in that opening scene, the mysterious villain who is chasing her says that she has to pay for the crimes that she's committed against mother nature with her mining or what have you so yeah so this person was also revealed to have attended the spa batman puts two and two together alfred has a fall where he's clearly affected by this whatever it is that he's drinking this enzyme that he's drinking bruce then does or batman does testing on the chemical discovers that it changes human plasma into plants from the he mixes the enzyme with blood and it turns into a plant so he immediately discovers discovers this is a bad idea it's too late alfred and maggie have already left and then bruce has to go and save them even after they've already been turned into trees and it's like the and if the third act of this was at least, like, an interesting fight or something, you could have at least saved it a little bit. But it's like, Batman shows up, immediately gets captured, and then just talks to Poison Ivy for a few minutes. There's a lot of exposition. And then she, uh, Lily and Violet spray him with the plant stuff that's supposed to turn him into a tree. But, aha, as we mentioned, a very Adam Westian moment, he coded his costume in an anti-plant enzyme so that he can't be turned into a tree. So he takes out the henchmen, and then Poison Ivy is undone by Batman throwing a batarang that breaks a test tube open, and uh, a giant tree springs out of the ground and smashes through the greenhouse dome, and just a giant tree appears, and all of the hench, the henchwomen and Poison Ivy and all of the tree people are all caught in the limbs of this giant new tree that grows. Foiled again. And then at the end of the episode, Alfred is in the hospital and Bruce, the idiot, brings them a plant as a present. Ha! Maggie's there too, don't forget. Yes. And then we never saw her again. Thank God. So, um, let's get into our scores here. I get plot zero out of ten. <laughs> I hated this episode. It's dumb. The characters are dumb. I hated everything about it. <coughs> Poison Ivy's plot doesn't really make that much sense. And 
I just I hated it. So I I went zero out of ten. My first ever zero <laughs> score on this show. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm not too far behind you. I gave it a one out of ten. It's bad. It doesn't make any sense. It's in a show that was based in reality as much as a cartoon about a guy who dresses up like a bat can be. Yes. She's turning people into trees. Yes. That's that's the plot. She's going to turn people into trees. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Yeah. All right. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> Moving on, Liam. Uh, let's talk about our music here. Uh, music, to me, is middle of the road. It's fine. You do get the Poison Ivy theme that is also played at the very beginning of the episode during that chase scene, also yes. pointing to the fact that, hey, this is Poison Ivy. In case you didn't get it, in case we weren't obvious enough, this is Poison Ivy here, um, which is fine, There's, but there's no real other musical notes or moments that stand out. I just gave it 5 out of 10. Yeah, I went 4 out of 10, because in this case, this is certainly an episode that could have used uh, a more memorable theme, or something more musical, something, it needed something, because the plot was not going to help it, and the other categories aren't that great either, so I could have used, like, a really dramatic theme, something like the, uh, you know, something like The Forgotten, which in and of itself, as we reviewed back in the archives, is not a great episode, but the music is so great in that episode that it kind of elevates the whole thing. This did not have that, and I thought that, so the lack of memorable music hurt it. I hear you. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that assumption either. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Um, all right, the less said, the better. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, let's go to animation. Liam, actually, I thought animation was the strongest point of this episode, and because I did want to be fair and objective as to this episode, I actually gave uh, animation a strong 8 out of 10. And the reason I what? gave... Yeah, I, the animation is the best part of this episode. There is, for what it's worth, animation, the stuff that they do animate in this episode, the tree... People, the stuff growing out, the plant, the plant growing out of the plasma. Um, I thought Batman was pretty on model. Alfred looks decent. I mean, Alfred looks on model. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot visually interesting in the episode, but right. I, I, I think it looks good. It looks good. Poison Ivy looks pretty consistent. Um, an attractive character. I, I thought that they did they did pretty well with the animation, so I went uh, eight out of ten. Clearly, you don't agree with me. I went three out of ten. Holy it's moly! It's the disagreement alarm. Look, man, I you're right. The animation itself is not bad in this episode, but I would say that it what you what you touched on there. It's not visually interesting at all. It's a boring-to-look-at episode. It's a lot of Alfred sitting around in Wayne Manor, and then at the spa, and then he's talking to Bruce on the phone, and then it's just, it's boring. It's boring to look at, and it's a dumb episode, and I'm in a bad mood. So I'm not saying I'm being completely objective here, but there's no such thing as an objective review. (laughs) So it's my review. That's tough but fair. Three out of ten. That may be the biggest disparity between scores we've ever had here. Wow. Five points. Wow. 
Um, all right, let's move on to our final category for this episode and put us out of our misery. Liam, we have our voice actors for this week's episode, including Maggie. Yeah, we have uh, Patty Edwards as Maggie, who actually did a lot of voices for Disney over the years. She was the eels in Little Mermaid, like Ursula's hench eels. And I think she did a voice in Hercules as well. She's annoying as hell in this episode. <laughs> I was say, I wish she didn't do the voice in this episode. I wish no one did the voice in this episode because yeah. this is one of the worst characters in the history of Batman <laughs> animated series. <laughs> yeah, she's way up there. It's her and what the hell is the name of the, the Sewer King in the yeah. Dwellers? Sewer King's bad too. Um, anyway, uh, she's not very good. And again, I'm sure she's just doing what she's asked. And it's a bad episode, so I don't want to put the blame on the now-deceased woman. But other than that, we had uh, Juliet Brown from the Animaniacs playing Lily. Uh, we had, and the only one I really wanted to point out here is we had Lynn Marie Stewart as Violet, which is only really worth pointing out because she plays uh, Charlie's mom on one of our favorite shows, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Tremendous. Uh, she's hilarious on that show. Yep. Um, and I was not aware she did much voice acting. So that was a cool little bit to find out when I did my, uh, my little bit of research for this episode. And then, of course, we have uh, Diane Piercing as Poison Ivy returning. We have uh, Hashtag My Alfred, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., uh, who has the most dialogue of anyone in this episode. And Kevin Conroy is Batman. Um, there's some good Alfred comedy in this episode, which actually I feel like gave my score the most it was. With that said, there was a lot of bad dialogue written in this episode, which I think hampered a lot of the performances, even Kevin Conroy at times, that his, his exposition at the end of why the gas isn't turning him into a tree is Yes. Bad. It's like Adam West could pull that off because that show in and of itself was so silly and meant to kind of be tongue in cheek. Right. Whereas when you have Batman in his serious Batman voice on the show talking about coating his suit in anti tree bark spray or whatever, it's pretty silly. Agreed. Uh, I gave voice acting a four out of ten. What did you give? Three out of ten, so right in that same ballpark. Just uh yeah, not not good. And I guess that'll bring us to our final scores for this first episode. Wait a second. That is a rare sound if I've ever heard one. It's the bonus point deduction. I'm taking a point away <laughs> from my final score of this episode. Not since not since Unity have we heard that sound effect. Correct. Later. And I'm taking it away because, as we mentioned, it's such an Adam Westian plot. But the Adam West show would have done this and it would have been fun. This is not a fun episode. They mostly take it very seriously, which is dumb. And so I was like, they took like part of an Adam West story. And if it was a lighter episode and it was meant to be very funny, that would be one thing. But it's not. It's played pretty straight all the way through. Yeah, there, it's Especially weird. the last It's act. very inconsistent because there is that little bit of Alfred comedy with him being cheeky with this girl that's sort of attracted to him. It's kind of like Linus and Sally in yeah. Peanuts. Like, the girl's interested in the guy, but the guy isn't interested in the girl, but then he is, and it's it's just yeah. weird. There's some intimation that Alfred had a long weekend, and it was weird, yes. and we don't talk about, don't want to think or talk about yes. Alfred. So, I'm taking a point away for the just overall bad execution 
of an episode, and really just the whole idea of it just does not work in this world. I gotcha. So that brings us to our final scores for our first episode here, Cal. Thank God. Uh, seemingly way too high uh, <laughs> for this episode. As much as I dis- disliked it, I gave a final score of 18 out of 40. What about you? I gave it a 9 <laughs> out of 40. Wow, we are in rarefied air there. That this is... is the worst score I've ever given anything. This beats Unity... This beats Fear of Victory, and it beats the Underdwellers. Wow. Dollar in the bad episode jar for mentioning all of those yes, on this episode. Yes, a lot but, of dollars. I'm going to be broke soon. But, but we said rarefied, rarefied air here for this episode. Do we even need to say, don't watch this episode? Don't watch it. It doesn't matter. never comes up again. We never see Maggie again. Nope. Just transfer this episode into the dump. <laughs> Send it right to hell. I want it, rest- I want it removed from canon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it basically doesn't exist because there's nothing, like you said, that affects it going forward. Exactly. It's never mentioned again. Tree people is no longer a thing. Correct. All right. Liam, thank God we're done with that episode. As we mentioned, this is a double feature. So why don't you introduce us to our second episode of the day? Yep. So our second episode here is the episode Perchance to Dream. And this is, I think, an episode of Cal. A lot of people remember when they think of Batman the Animated Series just as an overall thing. I think this is one that comes to mind. Certainly when, uh, you know, just recently we celebrated another anniversary, the 27th anniversary of the show, debuting it back in September, and just talking with some fans on Twitter, and this was definitely an episode that got mentioned quite a few times by people as one that really stood out to them, so... Uh, it's always weird, I think, when we review something that we know is beloved, either because we're sort of contrarians ourselves, or just because you're you're always worried that maybe something won't hold up to how you watched it when you were a kid, or even sure. when you watched it as an adult, just not under this critical lens. But uh, I think I'm pretty happy to say that this episode today uh, did a pretty good job of, of living up to the hype. I agree. Uh, yeah, so this episode debuted back on October the 19th of 1992, so another 27-year-old episode. We just passed the anniversary of it. But, uh, yeah, it is a fantastic episode, Liam, and I'm sure you have an excellent IMDb synopsis for this episode before we get into our scores. And this is for the episode Perchance to Dream, which is written by Laren Bright, Michael Reeves, and Joe R. Lansdale, and directed by B- Boyd Kirkland. And that synopsis reads as such. After being knocked out in a mysterious warehouse, Batman wakes up in a world where his parents are alive, he's engaged to Selina Kyle, and someone else has become Batman. Mm. Yeah. Which is, in fact, the plot of the episode. We, we get, like, a 30 seconds of Batman chasing a uh, some un- nondescript thugs. He gets uh, He sees something drop on him. You get, like, a POV shot. And then, yeah, he wakes up in this dream world, and it's kind of a, a reverse It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, and they, I mean, they sort of, if you know the series, they sort of telegraph it by the soundtrack, and we'll talk about more of that in music. But uh, you don't really have an idea of what exactly is going on. You see this contraption drop on Batman's, uh, he has this POV sort of shot, and the contraption drops down, and then the next thing you know, he's waking up, he's Bruce Wayne, and... Um, he's still aware that he's Batman, but no one else in the world that he wakes up in is aware that he's Batman or, and none of the things, the world doesn't interact as if he is Batman. There's no Batcave. There's no knowledge of him being Batman. We learn later on in the episode that Batman is actually a relatively new thing in Gotham, that he's only been there for a few weeks prior to the, him waking up from, from this dream. 
Alfred doesn't know that he's Batman. There's no Robin. There's no... Uh, his parents are alive. He's as we said, he's engaged to to Selena Kyle, who's never heard of Catwoman. Right. Uh, so you have all of these strange happenings going on, and Bruce. It's really a battle between Bruce coming to acceptance of this, and and would Bruce Wayne be able to be happy if he wasn't Batman? If he truly got everything that he wanted in his life, which is he didn't he didn't need to be Batman anymore, would he be happy? Yeah. But he's he's clearly he's clearly suspect from the beginning. He doesn't believe this is a thing. And it's funny because this plays out later on in the Justice League Unlimited episode where you have the Black Mercy that Mongol brings and, and gives yeah. to Superman as a gift. What's the name of that episode? The Man Who Has the Everything. The Man Who Has Everything, right. So you have that played out later on. And in, it's funny because in that dream world, Superman is accepting of everything. He's not yeah. suspect. Or he doesn't suspect anything. He's kind of he kind of like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, everything's right. His parents are still alive. He's married. He has a kid. They're on Krypton. You know, it's yeah. it's it's as if things should be that way. Whereas Bruce, in this instance, has been given everything that he's ever wanted, seemingly married, happy. His parents are still alive. He has everything. He's you know he runs Wayne Enterprises, or doesn't even have to run Wayne Enterprises. Lucius Fox apparently right. runs it, but. He's still not satisfied. He's not happy. He suspects immediately. And that kind of is a cool contrast between the two yeah. characters, as we always talk about. But, yeah, once he once he figures out that it's a dream because he, he can't read something, he goes to read something and realizes he's not able to read, he has this battle with this dream sequence Batman that reveals that it's the Mad Hatter is behind everything who just wanted to give him this perfect life to get him out of, of his own life. Yeah. And uh, it's a great back and forth dialogue between the two of them. We'll talk about that in voice acting, but really a strong, strong plot. I think it would have been nice to have, and, and it's hard because it's a 22 minute episode, but the time that he gets to enjoy when he finally accepts this and, and sort of has this pseudo moment where he accepts the plot itself and okay, well, the nightmare was he goes to Leslie Tompkins and Leslie Tompkins convinces him that he created this, what reality is in his mind. He created it as a way to way to cope with being given everything in his life. He accepts it and then he's happy, but he's only happy for about 10, 10 seconds. It seems he, he goes around, he hugs his dad, he hugs Alfred. You don't really get to see him enjoy that for any length of time. It's a momentary thing, and then he's back. You know, he assumes that it's a dream or figures out that it's a dream because he can't read. So it would have been nice to see him experience that a little bit. Maybe, you know, I don't know that you could stretch this out into a two-parter, but um, the confines of the 22-minute the episode, maybe yeah. that third act could have been shortened a little bit. But overall, a very, very strong episode. Liam, I gave it 8 out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I actually gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. Nice. Um, I really like it. I do think if they had stretched it into two parts, I think you would have had to explore like more of the other some of the other characters in this world. Like We may have seen like what happened to Dick Grayson or what some of the other rogues gallery might have been up to or the different, you know, the different versions of them uh, still living in society, perhaps, uh, having not been captured by Batman. Uh, But, yeah, I think you're right. I think there were some constraints with it just being a one-episode, 22-minute thing. But overall, I just think it's a really interesting story, and I think uh, 
that uh, what you talked about, the, the dichotomy between uh, how Superman or even maybe any other superhero would have reacted to a, a scenario like this and how Batman uh, is. And he's, he's thrown with everything he could have ever wanted in front of him. And even once he uh, knows it's a dream, the, the Mad Hatter avatar that appears to him in the dream sort of tells him, like, hey, even if it's a dream... Like, just, you should be careful, because you could end up living your, you could be in a dream in a cell for the rest of your life if you don't, if you're not careful, because he doesn't quite know how to get out of it, and he ultimately makes the decision that he's either going to wake up or die, and that he will not, he refuses to live in this dream world, even though it could be a version of everything he's ever wanted, because he's so committed to justice and to bringing uh you know to to this mission that he's a part of and it really speaks i think to the drive of that character so yeah i i thought it was a great job uh by all involved definitely you want to take us into our next category yes i will and that will bring us to visuals and animation there's a little bit of uh it's a little wonky i think in some parts cal it's not a bad episode it's not terribly animated but things just seem a little off in a few spots. Yeah, I think that the third act rescued this score for me overall because I was prepared to give this a pretty low score. There are a lot of weird, there's a lot of surprised faces, a lot of shocked yeah. shocked reactions, and people's faces, the eyes are either real bug-eyed or real tiny, and their faces just look off. Even the characters that you're not used to seeing guys like the police officers or thomas wayne people that are not regulars in the in the series per se have just some weird facial structure and and makeup after the when they're making these sort of like surprised faces um so yeah that that brought my score way down it just looked visually weird i do like that you got to see some variety we talked you jokingly mentioned that we you knew it was a dream because bruce wasn't wearing his brown suit <laughs> the entire time in actuality he actually gets to wear a uh a, a brown vest yes. instead of his uh normal brown overcoat he has a couple this time. different outfits in this he has like a blue uh button-down shirt he's wearing on point he has and then his tactical turtleneck his yeah. tactile neck it's great tactical uh, I still love from Archer, for the record. But, Very yeah. good, love it. Yeah, yeah. There is some some cool looks, and that third act is great. The thunder and lightning, the the rain as he battles Bat Bruce Wayne fighting Batman in yeah. the, in a clock tower. Really, really good. The wind blowing his hair back. You get some some rain in his face. Him screaming at the sky. Really, really, really cool visuals there um it it's sort of like i said it was it was sort of at a at a detriment with those other with the rest of the episode being so wonky in places uh so i ended up giving it a six out of ten yeah i'm in that same ballpark i went seven out of ten so a little bit stronger i do think as you mentioned that third act is really something even the the last little bit there as he wakes up and is sort of confronting the mad hatter and uh, Mad Hatter falls to his knees. He's, you know they're so emotional, and that without getting into voice acting, which we'll talk about in a minute here as well. But uh, I just thought uh, it's really, really strong. The emotion I think comes through really well. Um, some of the shots of uh, like Bruce being like when he first sees Batman, uh, you know, swing by the window outside his house. I thought it was uh, or outside Wayne Enterprises was was really well done. Um, so yeah, 7 out of 10. And that'll move us on to our third category here, Cal. And that is music. They did some interesting things with the score here, which is that they play some familiar themes. 
the Mad Hatter theme or the Batman theme, but they play them differently uh, in certain spots to kind of add to that undercurrent of uneasiness that this episode's going for, I think. Yeah, as I, as I mentioned and alluded to before, the opening theme when they play the title card is the straight-up Mad Hatter theme. So if you're familiar or you, yeah. you recall back to that, you know immediately from this episode, oh, this is a Mad Hatter theme, which isn't revealed truly until that clock tower scene in the third right. act that Mad Hatter is ultimately the villain. So I, I like that. I like that they allude to that. And there is actually, a, you can hear the Mad Hatter theme played in various different ways. Actually, the one that stood out to me the most that I pointed out while we were watching is as Bruce is discovering that he can't read in this dream, that nothing makes sense, he's pulling books off this shelf. And you can hear in the background with horns and, and, and a little bit off-key. Yeah. And very slow, you hear the Mad Hatter theme creep in. Mm-hmm. And it's very subtle. And it, unless you're kind of listening for it or you're really paying attention to the music, you probably wouldn't notice it. But it's the notes of the Mad Hatter theme played there. And it's the same thing. You go, He goes, flies into the clock, or climbs up the clock tower. And you, you hear, using bells, you hear the, the Mad Hatter theme played, too. So yeah. you have different variations, not just this, the, the flute theme or the whatever normal Mad Hatter theme sounds like. You have other instruments that are brought in and played at different tempos to kind of mix it up and, and add that atmosphere to the, to the scenes. Yeah, definitely. It's similarly, the, uh, in the scene where just after he meets with Leslie and sort of convinces himself that this is real... And then, as he says, the nightmare is over. Uh, you, they play the the Shirley Walker Batman theme, but it's played so it's played very light and in a very high key. As he's hugging his father and talking to Alfred, and it's like it's it's the happiest the Batman theme has ever sounded. <laughs> if that makes sense, yeah. Um, and it's, it almost sounds like something it could be something out of like a Disney movie or something. It's it's played so joyously in that moment as he feels like he's finally free of this burden. Uh, but uh, obviously it's not to be and then as you mentioned uh, the, the Mad Hatter theme being played throughout was also uh, really well done I gave music a very strong 8 out of 10 in this episode uh, that's awesome uh, I couldn't find fault with it and because of being able to pick out those notes and the, the different ways and subtle subtlety in playing the themes throughout I, I went ahead and gave it a perfect 10 out of 10 nice so, uh, yeah very good and that'll bring us to our final category for our second episode here, Cal, and that is voice acting. And it's funny because we have a, as far as characters go, we have a fairly large cast of characters. We do. But most of them are played by the same two or three <laughs> actors. As we have quite a few people playing. Everybody's it. doing the Corey Burton on this yes, episode. <laughs> everyone's pulling at least double duty, it seems. We have uh, Adrian Barbeau playing, of course, Selena Kyle, but she also doubles as Martha Wayne. Um, probably Martha doesn't speak very much in this episode, but she uh, does that voice as well and plays a. It's interesting hearing her because she's such a she has such a femme fatale voice, and to hear her kind of just play like Bruce's regular doting fiance is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, we do have Diane Mulder coming back as Leslie Tompkins uh, for a little bit there. And then of course Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. playing both a cop and Alfred in this episode. Um, and then uh, uh, Roddy McDowell obviously playing the Mad Hatter, who, as you mentioned, we don't really get to see until very late in the episode, but he's very, very good 
for the uh, for what he does. It's a lot of like we said, very emotionally charged. The monologue between Bruce and him as the fake Batman, and then the the their argument at the end of the episode once Batman is free. I thought he was uh, really really good here. Yeah, when he says you ruined my life. I just wanted to give you the best life possible so that you could be out of mind. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. And then Kevin Conroy, the goat. But here, the goat is playing three different people in this episode, if you think about it. Because he's playing real Batman slash Bruce Wayne. He's playing uh, the fake Batman, who Mm -hmm. has to have a back and forth with Bruce before he's revealed to be the Mad Hatter. And then he also plays Bruce's own father, Thomas Wayne. That's right. So triple duty for Kevin in this episode. And I think, and again, I think this is one that's put put up there as one of his best performances in the whole series. And I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, he's phenomenal in this episode. When he screams at the, at the sky when he's in the clock tower, again, that third act, I think, is worth this episode alone. But when he's screaming into the sky, sky and show yourself, and like you said, the back and forth between him as fake Batman, which has a subtle difference, I think, than than the his normal Batman voice. Yeah. Uh, some of it, I think, is in the lines that they wrote for him. But there is a subtle difference between real Batman and the the dream sequence Batman. Definitely. But uh yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Everybody did did a really really good job in this. Um I I struggled to find fault with that too. <laughs> I gave voice acting a perfect 10 out of 10. And case because I also gave voice acting a 10. Just yeah, just tremendous work. The the line he gives right as as the Mad Hatter tells him like what if you're wrong what if you're what if you kill yourself and you actually die basically he doesn't say it in those words but uh, and Bruce shouts then I'll see you in your nightmares and that's another example of a line where if you gave that to certain actors it could come off kind of hokey and silly we talked about that with the classic I am vengeance uh, line from uh, Nothing to Fear how that could maybe come off a little hammy or or silly but because of the gravitas of Kevin Conroy and the weight he brings to that character. It's such a cool line when he says it. And, uh, yeah, he's tremendous. And I agree. That'll bring us to our final scores for our second episode here, Cal. But, oh, wait a second. That's a bonus score sound, Liam. That's the bonus point. Plus one point this there time. There you go. <laughs> uh, sorry for all the editing you have to do for this That's episode. A- <laughs> um, but, yes, I do, in fact, have a bonus point for this episode, and that is a plus one... For, as you mentioned in the plot details, that Bruce discovers it's a dream because he tries to read a newspaper and all the numbers or all the numbers and uh, letters are jumbled and aren't in any kind of order and he realizes he can't read. Um, and that's what sort of snaps him out of it. But there's a fun little detail, which is in the first scene where uh, he sees Batman, him and Selina kind of run out to the street to see Batman take down some random thugs. And as the thug is leaving what I guess is probably a bank or something, or an electronic store, it's not really clear, he just runs out of a, some kind of building with like a sack of ill-gotten gains. But there's a sign above the door that he's leaving, and it's just a bunch of jumbled letters. Yep. And it's a, I had never noticed that before. I probably watched this episode at least five, six, seven, eight times in my life before this time. Mm-hmm. And I had never noticed that before, and you pointed it out to me, and I thought it was the coolest thing and such a great attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, because especially, that's, um, that's something the background artists had to do, because they probably had, like, stock backgrounds for Gotham City. 
so, so they had to go in and change uh, probably an existing background just to pull off this little nod so that I guess if people went back and checked yep, the, uh, or, uh, for any other spelled out letters or anything in the episode that you would be able to see that, yep, they, they caught it and that yep. it's such a great detail. And it, again, just speaks to the, the amount of care and time and effort that went into every aspect of these shows. And I thought it was worth uh, an extra plus one for that. Absolutely. Great foreshadowing. Absolutely. So that brings us to our final scores here, Cal. I have a very strong 36 out of 40. Ah, just shy of our top picks episodes there, Liam. Uh, I am also in the same neighborhood, gave a 34 out of 40. Um, Now, we already said skip Eternal Youth. (laughs) I would say this is an obvious... Yes, you need to watch yes, this. This is a must-watch just because of the great performances. It's a cool plot. The visuals, as we mentioned, everything together, the music as well, all comes together for a really special episode. And whether you're new to the series or whether you're just going back for a rewatch, yeah, you should definitely watch this one. I think that's uh, fair to say. I would agree. And that will bring us to the end of our show. Thank you for sitting with us through this double feature. Uh, a real peaks and valleys scenario here, Cal. We had a, had a lot of fun. Shared a few laughs. <laughs> and and uh, some anger out was very cathartic for me on that first episode. So I would love to hear people's thoughts on this. Because uh, if you recall the last time... So the last bad episode, which I think we're going to have to create our, our bottom picks or, <laughs> or uh, bottom of the barrel picks category that you can sort our episodes by at DCAUreview.com. Uh, so I don't think too many people disagreed with Unity as being a bad mm-hmm. episode. That's generally accepted. But our prior episode to that, which was Fear of Victory that you and I both disliked, is Almost universally loved, it seems. Yeah, we were, I think, the only two that I've uh, I've seen that... Re- at least the ones that hated it as much as we did. I think there's some people who will maybe admit some faults with it, but a lot yeah. of people seem to really like that episode. And remember, we look at these things at, through the critical eye of, okay, you know, at, like we saw today, animation for me was really strong in the episode, but I didn't like the episode. I think the episode is crap, and I still said that you shouldn't bother wasting your 22 minutes of your life to watch this episode again if you haven't seen it before. So, but at the same time, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else wouldn't like it or find some sort of value in it. So, (laughs) right. Always willing to hear any kind of feedback, and you can tweet us at DCAU Review. I do the tweeting there, and we'll be happy to discuss with you whether you like it, whether you disagree. Uh, that's all fine and good. Always like hearing from fans, hearing from uh, getting getting to see some fan art or some fan theories about different things when it comes to these episodes. So definitely hit us up at DCAU Review. And of course, Liam, that is where they can always check out the preview for next week's episode, which we have coming up. Next week's episode will be another episode of Batman the Animated Series as we continue through here in the month of November doing Batman the Animated Series. What's our episode for next week, Liam? Yeah, next week's episode will be Cape and Cow Conspiracy, which is a favorite of ours from our childhood. So I'll be interested to see if that sticks uh, sticks here. Will we will we love it as much as we think we love it, or uh, under the critical eye, will it crumble? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. But yes, that is our, our episode for next week. Definitely look forward to that. And uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, as I mentioned, at DCAU Review. And please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
or of course on Spotify as well. You can also stream or download our episodes and see every episode we've ever done broken down by different categories at DCAUReview.com. And until next week, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.